Hello and welcome to Collisions YYC. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Today on the show, I have a very special guest, someone I'm proud to call a friend, Miss Lori L. Lori is a business strategy coach, board director, and brings to the show 25 years of hands-on experience as a leader, a coach, a support, a board member in all aspects of business. And Lori's career as a strategic planner provides her with a very unique perspective on Calgary and Alberta and the way forward. She talks to us about where the roadblocks, where the bottlenecks, where are we leaning in on areas that potentially we just don't have the background or the experience that are going to allow us to be successful. And on the other side of the coin, where are we not leaning in on the areas of our history, of our track record, of our expertise. Join me for a heartfelt, honest, and passionate conversation with Miss L'Oreal. Well, hey, it's time to push record because we're having a good old-fashioned chat, as we often do before we get this thing up and rolling, with my good friend, Miss L'Oreal. Good morning, Lori. Good morning. How are you on this uh, Friday long weekend? This will be airing in a few weeks, so it'll feel like the lo- August long was like maybe and maybe snowing on the ground by the time this comes out. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. About that. Well, uh, don't joke because that actually can happen. And uh, I know, I know. But, yeah, that's. But hey, we've been having beautiful weather, so let's stay. Let's let's be in the present. Let's not let's not worry. Let's not fret over the future. Well, Lori, I'm going to say you're my favorite business renaissance person. <laughs> I was that just came out as I was thinking about it now. But you and I have known each other for a few years. I get to uh, work with you in a very intimate environment. We're in an executive leadership group together called Tech. Right. But also, you have a very you know I would say a collect, I like to think Renaissance. You've led organizations. You've worked as a coach. You you know from from you and I talking offline. Even from your earliest of days, you were well. Why does that that way? Could we do it better? And doing that in business, I think you never run out of opportunities to make it better. So just to give a guest a little bit of context, a little bit who you are, kind of maybe tell us about tech, which is your that's was that is that your main gig right now, being a tech chair? Um, I say it's one uh, one leg to a three legged chair which I'm not okay. quite sure uh, that that is a great foundation. I need to find a fourth leg, but I'm, I'm busy enough. So it I, seems like not bad for if it's a stool, but a three-legged chair seems to slightly off balance. I, I three-legged stool yeah. function. Anyway, it's, hey, it's your analogy. I suppose, far yeah. be it from me to add very, very. I'm going to steal. I'm going to steal and say it's, it's uh, now a, uh, a little bench, a uh, three-legged bench. But <laughs> okay, anyways, okay. it's one of three things uh, that I do. I, um, I, 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 I sit on a few boards. I'm chair of a, uh, Agritech board uh, in uh, Phoenix. Uh, I also am vice chair for the Calgary Co-op. I sit on two departmental audit committees, which sit under the Treasury Board uh, for the Indigenous uh, Ministry. Um, both ISC and CERNAC are the acronyms. Uh, and then I sit on another board where we're in the uh, hospitality uh, industry and uh, investment, uh, uh, also as part of our portfolio. So I do some board work. Uh, of course, uh, tech, as you're familiar with, Tech Canada, and I uh, facilitate, or uh, what we would say, chair uh, three separate uh, groups, uh, two groups of uh, business leaders, CEOs here in Calgary, and one being uh, key uh, key executives uh, also here in Calgary. So I do that. And then I have a company called uh, Growing Ideas, where uh, basically all about strategy and um uh, in a nutshell, what that company is about is we take uh, uh, leaders uh, looking at the strategic intent. So it's the why, right? It's the what do I want to do? How do I want to do it? And we help them turn it into strategic initiatives, which 
Um, you know, strategic planning is an interesting event, but it's not overly compelling if you can't make it uh, executable. And so we take uh, companies through uh, and coach them through all aspects of going from strategy uh, planning, what do I want to do, all the way through to the uh, execution and and the people that uh, are in that journey with them, which is all very interesting things. So all three, but they all complement each other is what I always say. So you seem like you would be the epitome if you ask something, if you want something done, ask a busy person, because I know how busy you are, but I've, I've never heard you give me the whole repertoire like you, like you just did. Uh, but yeah. what I find valuable out of all that is the incredible perspective you must get from working with indigenous communities to working with small to like, what would be the smallest business you work with? Just, I, I don't know, you can headcount or top line just to give a context. Uh, smallest business I work with, uh, I probably uh, smallest would be venture capital backed. So that don't have really... Have have a lot oh, of okay. cash, you know, have a yeah. lot of cash, but um, but maybe not. Small teams. Yeah, haven't developed a top line yet, but um, all the way to a uh, billion dollars. So I kind of go all the way through. I, I would say my sweet uh, spot is probably more within uh, uh, the small small business, so fifty million, twenty five million, somewhere in there, where uh, companies okay. are. Um, you know, they they're they're experiencing a lot of uh, growing uh, pains. You know, breaking a million is a big one. Breaking 10 million is huge. That's a real hard, hard uh, number for a lot of companies to get through. So so that's where I like my space. I like it in there, uh, working with companies uh, right uh, before that 10 million and then working all the way up because there is a lot of moving parts. Uh, and, I, and I ran a company in that space so for years. And so I'm pretty familiar with um, uh, the good days and the bad days around that one. Yeah, to run a business these days, it almost feels like, well, growing, you can put whatever word in front, but pains of some kind, whether it's external factors like we've just been through in the last five months of, you know, the pandemic to the structural change in the energy sector that's happened in Western Canada in the last four to five years. So from your perspective, you know, the, one, of the root, one of the root themes of the Collisions YYC episode, which we're doing right now, is economic transformation, specifically in Calgary. It's hard to talk about it we don't, on a limited scope because we don't live on an island, but, you know, with the businesses that you work work with and kind of from a, the word economic transformation, maybe start there. When you, when you hear that term, which is again, easily thrown around, how does that resonate for you? And what's your been experience around that specifically in Calgary over the last, I would say three to five, because that's really when, you know, the oil and gas industry took a significant kind of mm -hmm. another left turn, you know, five years ago, structurally changing, maybe how it even operates. How's transformation go? What does it mean to you? <laughs> Yeah, I, I, you know, I might be one of the very few people uh, in Alberta or Calgary that when I hear transformation or diversification, I cringe. And, and it's not that I don't like the world or, or I don't think that we should be going there. But, you know, I, I often kind of sometimes think about uh, Marcus Buckingham uh, often quotes the saying of what gets us in trouble is uh, executing on what we don't know. And I, I think that um, a lot of times when I hear diversification, uh, particularly uh, in this province and in this city is um, it seems like what we want to do is, is start with a white piece of paper uh, and, you know, what can we become? And, and even from a strategist perspective, I, I, I get that a lot when I go to, in to work with companies and they're having, you know, some, some difficulties in their business plan and their tendency sometimes is to want to just say, let's just, you know, rip it all up and let's start again. And, 
and I, I want to try this now. And, and very seldom does that ever work. And a lot of times as a strategist, you have to go back and say, okay, wait a second, what are some of the, the big core competencies that you as a group actually have? Because you've built them up and you've built them up probably over a period of time. And how can you leverage that to take you somewhere else versus this you know, these, these really big wild shifts and very few companies are, are successful at it. I, you know, in the news right now, you look at Kodak, uh, you know, they've, mm-hmm. they've tried to do these pivots, um, their latest and greatest one now into the healthcare, but, you know, they went from, of course, as we all know, film through to cryptocurrency, which was not successful into now um, uh, being supported by the U S government to go into this, this, um, pharmaceuticals and 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 you just think what core competency are they taking that's going to make them successful so when we think about uh calgary and alberta i i think i think how much are we starting from what we know and how much our strengths are and and then working from there versus you know we're going to start something new and and we've tried it tyler we've you know for some of us who have a, you know have been around the province for a while you know, do you remember Made in Alberta? You know, that was a 1980s initiative. Every time the oil and gas patch seems to have a bit of a a, a pullback, we 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 talk diversification. And uh, in the 90s, uh, I was very uh, involved with uh, trying to diversify. I was in the technology industry then, um, and talked about trying to diversify the Alberta economy and and Calgary in, uh, in specific and uh, specifically in. You know, we talked about ethanol. We had money going into meat meat packing plants. We were we were high tech then, trying to pull things off of what then was uh, Nortel was a big presence in in Calgary, uh-huh. and um, it cost the province not just a couple million billions of dollars in trying to diversify that. And so, um, I, uh, it's not that I don't think we should do it. I just think it's uh, I cringe a bit because I think it feels like it's a pull away from. Uh, who we are, which, you know, roots in the oil and gas industry. And we've had those roots in the oil and gas industry for years. Um, and, and how are we going to take those skills and what are we going to do, support the industry and continue to move forward? And, and I, I, I think there's some real risk in trying not to uh, step back and say, what are we doing and how are we doing it? And what do we know? And what are the core competencies we've built? And then how can we move it? Um, and to, you and I have talked extensively about the concept of core competencies and doing that work, even as an, or, as, as an organization, just start back to, you know, the province as a business or a, a business of 20 people. What is it we're truly good at? In your experience working with entrepreneurs, leaders, decision makers, I guess, what's the allure? Is it is the new shiny idea that's like, hey, we're going to go into this? Or is it because it's a bit sexy and it's or is it a bit like we got superhero syndrome as, as entrepreneurs or entrepreneurial minded people where well, I'll just decide to do it and then and, and then it will be so which you almost need sometimes as an entrepreneur to even get out of bed in the morning to believe that is i don't do we romanticize it is it the like we can do anything is it is it ignorance a little bit as well to be not to just (laughs) to maybe put it out there um you know i i i don't think it's uh ignorance at all and i don't think it is um uh, naivety either i i Uh actually think uh it's it's hard it's hard to do strategic execution work. Um, if it was easy to do it, <laughs> we wouldn't have the failure rate we do in in the small business uh, um, okay. uh, economy that we do. Right? We 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 see lots of companies that can't push through a million dollars 
Um, and I, I think what happens is that you really have to sit back, you know, you know, as a strategist, you go back and you study a lot of things that, that make companies work. And, you know, you look all the way back to the greats like Michael Porter, who talks about the five forces is, I know, you know, and, and, um, you know, what is your strongest competitive force? What, what's behind there? Um, and that should determine where your profitability or where you're going to go strategically. And, and that's hard for companies to really, or economies, I think, or cities to go back and say, what do we really do well? And how is it different than anybody else? And what is the secret sauce? It may look the same at the end, but our secret sauce is just slightly different than somebody else's. And it's a lot about the people. And I watch a lot of uh, conversations when we talk about the Calgary economy or the Alberta economy, and I wonder where all the people are. You hear, you know, you hear things about, well, we're going to have to retrain people. And, um, you know, uh, any strategy and any strategist will tell you the greatest uh, success behind strategy is your people and expanding people's capabilities uh, definitely uh, have to be part of the equation. That's not reskilling necessarily. Right. Um, and I, I think we overlook uh, that aspect too. So, I mean, in a nutshell, Tyler, I think it's, I think it's cause it's hard and it's easy to dream and it's, it, you know, it's, it's easy to say, I could be this and many, many entrepreneurs need to be that way because that's how they become successful. The ones that really become successful with a profitable company um, have to do the hard work. And I think we have such to- an interesting balance. I was, I was having a, I did a podcast recently. Um, I won't get into names because it was it, how I'm going to phrase this, but we were talking about the sales process and, and he very prolific uh, business leader in Calgary in the media quite a bit. He's like, Tyler, never worry about the details in the sale. That'll kill you. Just sell the dream, sell the dream and then sell it more, get it, make the dream bigger, deal with the details later. Once you have the deal, I was like, Hmm, that feels a bit risky. I get where you're going with that, but you're right. The big, the story was the fun and the sexy part. And the, it was almost easier because it was a bit more conceptual where what you're talking about is like, no, like, what are the actual levers? What should we pull? What levers have we pulled before? What are we good at? It's a lot harder work. And sometimes it's a more, it's a lot less sexy than selling a big vision of the new shiny, like hope is not a strategy, but yet it kind of sells well. (laughs) Well, and you know, I'm also a big believer in core purpose and knowing exactly, you know, why you exist and what you're going to do and where you're going to go. And some of that, what I hear is, is also, you know, here's our reason for being, here's what we want to do, uh, why we want to change the world from a, from a company's perspective. I mean, there's more and more uh, being written about the importance of core purpose and unifying mm-hmm. yourselves behind that. So, I mean, I, I definitely get that, but, but you know, uh, that's the other thing that makes strategy so hard, right? It's, it's not just, it's like, it's, I always say it's like sitting in a kitchen, uh, you know, baking uh, some elaborate uh, recipe that if you leave out one ingredient, uh, damn, it's not going to uh, taste quite as good as you wanted it to, and it may not be as successful. And strategy is the exact same way. Like you have to have all the parts, and all the parts have to be complementing each other. Uh, you know, you put in way too much salt and forget the flour, you know, it's just not going to taste uh, quite like you imagined it to be. And that's strategy, and I think that's a lot behind Uh, What makes it so hard is that you've got to keep tasting it, so to speak, and you've got to keep saying, what what more do we add and what what do we have that's good already and what do we not want to change? And um, uh, I think that that's hard, but it's really somewhat fun and tempting to say, 
we should throw it all out and we should just try something anew. Um, and yeah. and I think it's dangerous. I've, I've, I've been in those meetings and it is very alluring. Like, you know what? Let's just wipe the slate clean and start over. And that sounds really easy right at that moment. But the, it, the easy goes away really quickly when you start going down that path. Well, and... You know, you know, I, I love numbers. I'm a CPA by training, and so I, I, I sometimes can't get away from it. But uh, I, I think you also have to look back and say the Alberta economy is, you know, 25% of the GDP. Uh, it comes out of the oil and gas patch. And mm-hmm. about the same percentage uh, drives the Alberta uh, uh, government's um, revenue line. And, and I also think people think... Um, okay, we should do, try something different because you look at where all the world's going in technology. And I, I, I've spent a large part of my career in the technology world. You know, I, I unfortunately am one of the people that can say, yeah, I was around when we busted uh, in, you know, 2000 uh, when that dot-com bubble uh, went. And I know what that felt like and what that looked like. And um, yeah, technology is, is fun and it's great and it's interesting. And there's lots of failures in technology too, as much as there is anywhere else. So you know, we were we were in oil in the late 1800s. I think a lot of people think it was, you know, entirely out of, uh, of course, uh, Turner Valley Valley in the early 1900s. But the Indigenous people pointed out uh, oil to uh, Kootenai Brown at, in the late 1800s. We, we in medicine. Oh, I, I don't really know that story. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and here's a fun fact is, uh, I think you might know is I am Maiti, So I have indigenous, uh, uh, blood in my system and, uh, long roots in Alberta. And, uh, we have been entrepreneurs in Alberta for a very, very long period of time. Oil and gas has been a real cornerstone of what we've done. It's been a bun- uh, bust in uh, boom and bust industry is, uh, right from the 1900s when they uh, had to step in and, and even regulate the industry then for the amount of money that was being made um, by, you know, people getting rich. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, some of the foundations of Calgary was based on that. But we've been in other entrepreneurs, you know, all the way back to Frontiermen and um, fur trades. And think about us from uh, Alberta perspective. I mean, uh, Frontiermen back in the 1800s were speaking five different languages. Uh, they were setting up trading posts with, uh, with no maps, no ability to, um, lots of them were integrating with the indigenous community, uh, thus the, 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 such big settlements of Métis communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we went from there to a real prolific sort of uh, farming ranching community. Uh, I, I, I would ask anybody to go back and look at some really longstanding profitable businesses that have been around uh, uh, Alberta, Calgary in particular, and you're going to find a rancher or a group of ranchers or farmers that were involved in that. UFA, um, a great company here in Calgary, uh, you know, was part of government at one point in time. Um, Calgary Co-op, a board that I'm uh, and uh, on and also a, uh, uh, a very long uh, community uh, organization, cooperative, uh, started by uh, farming, ranching community. So we've been entrepreneur from our, our start. So it's not like we have to try to be entrepreneurial in, in Alberta. Right. I mean, we, we, we are by the nature of who we are, right? Um, uh, but I think to just completely pull our, our heads away from uh, the oil and gas patch and, and just never really want to talk about it, that's what it feels like to me. 
and we're going to be mm-hmm. somebody else. Well, it, it, it's, yeah. it's become this polarizing and it's, it's almost not fashionable to speak of the oil and gas sector right now. It's, I know I'm overgeneralizing it, but hey, that's, hey, we're on a podcast. We get to do that. That whole, like, not to speak about it and the shiny new. And I've had some people on the show that have complained about some of the policies, government related, even municipally around like, oh, well, if you're not talking about AI or machine learning or something cool, forget about getting money or forget about getting anything from manufacturing. And I definitely feel there's a divide there from some of these businesses that I know that are more the blue collar or the less, I don't even say that. It's not blue collar, white collar. It's less sexy. It's not in the news kind of stuff. And they feel they're not getting the support. And I don't know. I've definitely run into that more lately. And a few friends of mine that have have built successfully manufacturing and large machine shops and they go to Calgary Economic Development and they get like, no, we're not really interested in what you're doing. And then they will see in the news the next day that someone got funding for an AI project that was maybe a bit more pie in the sky idea. Where it feels like it's a bit off balance is what I'm certainly sensing from some of the business community that I know. Well, I think that's goes back to my point about, you know, I cringe sometimes on diversification and the white, you know, the white piece of paper and also not sitting back Hmm. and saying, what do we really know? And what are we really good about? You know, the oil and gas industry certainly has uh, uh, some challenges. And we've gone from, mm-hmm. you know, a market of scarcity to a market of abundancy. And that's that's not just here in Alberta. That's, you know, Iran has excess oil, OPEC has, has uh, excess oil. And, and of course, uh, the United States is now, um, you know, almost self-sufficient in their, their oil and gas. And so... Um, uh, the well, the industry's definitely had its challenges, but look at what it's done. I mean, it has been as innovative as any other industry. I, I, I certainly I, yeah, do not exactly. profess to be an expert at all in the oil and gas industry, but um, you know, some of the you listen to some of the emission targets that some of the companies have come out with lowering uh, emissions. You you think of you know the bitumen puck uh, and rail mm-hmm. car, car carting uh, uh, that out. I mean, it's highly innovative um, uh, industry, and and I I actually think there's a lot in there that you can pull out and uh, pull into different places and different opportunities of that talent. And and what it, scares me a little bit about it is, um, I I haven't seen the numbers of late. Uh, I know a couple of years ago I was looking at the numbers of the amount of of uh, young people who are leave, leaving this province. Uh, that is a statistic that does get flowed. It, it makes headlines for sure. Yeah. And, you, you know, you got to sit back. And I said before, when you look at strategy and you look at where you're going, you look at some of your strengths, you look at some of your weaknesses, you look at where you can capitalize this for your car, your core competencies. And uh, a, a young province and highly educated is is an advantage of ours. You got to sit back and say, why, why are they leaving? Mm-hmm. Uh, and not all of them are leaving. But uh, but why? Because we're one of the you know top livable cities in the world, um, and uh, the world's become uh, not in the last ninety days, but it it, it is a global uh, economy, and young people don't look anymore about can I live and work in Calgary? They can live in Florida and work in. Uh, in England through different types of uh, meetings. Yeah, that, that we, were, we were on that path and that's been accelerated in the last five months because we've all been in a huge experiment that proved that it's workable. Yeah. <laughs> if you didn't think it could work, well, you've been disproved like clearly and succinctly in the last five months. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that we need to be careful when we start talking diversification, mm-hmm. that we say, what do we have and what are we going to do and, and how are we going to leverage it? And, um, 
Uh, I also think, yeah, there's some traditional industries that have been around uh, Calgary and Alberta that can really, uh, I think, be accelerated if we leaned into them. They may not sound quite as sexy, but they, they, um, I spent uh, a decade in an agri-food manufacturing company. Um, Yeah, it's great when the Canadian dollar is low because uh, if you're an export company, that uh, that helps. But I'll tell you what it does, and it did it in the 90s, it did it in the 80s, is what it does do is it really harnesses the ability for manufacturers to innovate. Uh, we, we are about machines. Um, we are about technology. We're about trying to deploy that technology. But if it's costing you 30% more, 35% more to get that technology because you got to buy it in U.S. dollars, for example, um, it's really hard to innovate. And it's really hard then to bring things that we should be able to uh, take to the next level, uh, agriculture being one of them. It's hard because our access to capital is is hard. Our margins in that uh, industry are low. Uh, traditionally, we fought against higher waged employees in an oil and gas industry. So we're competing for talent. Um, but there's, you know, there's, there's lots of opportunity to take what we know in the oil and gas industry. Um, lots of opportunity to work with the indigenous people uh, and, uh, and formulate uh, maybe, maybe uh, sexy ideas, but maybe not a, as sexy as we want them to be by looking across the pond and saying, couldn't we be another Silicon Valley? But right. We, maybe we can, but, um, but why try to be somebody else? Why not be who we are supposed to be? Well, you bring that down to the human that's, you know, competing with the Joneses or that's always looking to the outside of not not looking inward, which is, uh, that's a challenge, like, you know, on itself, even on a personal level. I've had a few guests on, they're like, hey, let's forget all this talking about it esoterically. Let's talk about just where we have to be at as individuals on this on this journey and not always looking, well, I could be like him or I could be like her or I could be like them. That's a dangerous, uh, that's, a, that's a game that lacks a lot of fulfillment in my experience. <laughs> Yeah, and we, from your perspective. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say and, and, you, got, you got me thinking. My wheel, my wheels are spinning. Over I, here, I, sorry, I didn't want to catch cut you off. I was just, I was just going to add that I, I think that it, it would be erroneous for us to say that we aren't trying to support. Also, the I got a great idea. There's been some great ideas that uh, are are never been thought of that have been developed here in Calgary, and and that technology has been uh, you know taken. Uh, throughout the the world, but so I, I don't. I also don't want to say we shouldn't we shouldn't support the dreamers and 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 we've done a good job, I think, in Alberta of at least trying to put some framework about how do I take a dream into a reality. You know, we've got mm-hmm. rainforest, we've got AVAC, we've got you know, I can Tectera. We've got some great uh, initiatives out there. I would say from a strategist that help about strategic planning. I'd say where we haven't got a lot of help is in the execution. 
Okay, that's interesting. Because I always love the classic, like, what are we doing well? What can we do better? Or, or where, what should we like stop doing? So from a strategic perspective, like you're saying that front end is being well supported of that journey. But when it comes to actually the rubber meets the road and taking these to make them viable, marketable, or, you know, commercially viable, that's feeling well, like, what does that look like? Or what would, if you were going to solve that, may, wave your magic business wand tomorrow, how could we solve that? What would be your, how would you approach it? You know, I am um, years uh, and uh, years ago. I, I I got to go on an economic uh, tour of the Netherlands, and it was trying to understand how the Netherlands worked from its relationship with uh, its agriculture. At the time, I was in, in the agri food uh, industry, and, and agriculture is a big port- part of that economy, is it not? Like, I don't know a lot about the Netherlands, but I have visions of agriculture when uh, I think about yeah, it. Yeah, excuse my excuse my ignorance. It's real high strength in engineering, um, uh, and. Uh, the one thing that I was really fascinated about was uh, how holistic they were in a number of their communities. So what I mean by that is their trade schools were were very respected. A trade school, you know, similar to our states, our nates, right? It, yeah. it wasn't a substandard, like, uh, if I couldn't make it here, I'd go to a trade school, right? It was... They're very um, championed as a uh, real integral part of their economy. Uh, of course, also their their uh, universities are um, are looked at like their engineering schools are looked at from how they feed into their industry. You know, not looked at of uh, we're here, okay. we're in our uh, own bubble within a university setting. We'll keep our IP within the university setting. Uh, it's all about research within the university, and it's never sort of then farm-fed out into um, mm-hmm. the community. You want to look down in Silicon Valley. I've spent some time down there also. You know, you look at why did Silicon Valley become a Silicon Valley? Look at how much the universities really have fed the incubation of uh, of startup small tech companies. I mean, it's been a very transition off campus into small business into a uh, a full fledged technology company, and the Netherlands mm-hmm. was the same way. In that, uh, how do we take our education? How do I take our technical needs? How do we take mm-hmm. our 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 root industries, and how do we make them into sort of this pot? that then we can go off and be competitive uh, in the world market. And I don't know, uh, at the time, I, coming back and looking at where we were here in Canada, from the agri-food perspective, I really seen that that was not something that we were doing well, that we were, you know, we could access some things at an education perspective, but I, we couldn't get the IP out, you know, so you couldn't own it from an industry perspective. Um, we could get versus versus having that as more of a fully integrated yeah. kind of flow of events, like versus no, it stops here and then it restarts over here. But this 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 moat in between is causing a gap. Would you say that Waterloo, as far as in Canada, would maybe be in a category where they've done that a little bit better? Because I've had guests speak about that, where it's a it, this eco- and of course they've had a few big like obviously Rim and some of those stories, which created it sounds like a much more of the the Silicon Valley North for. And I had some guests on from Silicon Valley, and they said when you talk down there, people are like, oh Canada. Oh, you mean Waterloo? Like it is actually they. It's it's on their mind more than certainly Calgary ever comes up, is the way it was told to me. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. That uh, they've done a great job. It, it it does follow a little bit more of that um, hmm. breeding of talent. the The only thing that I would say to you, um, 
that I still think we miss is that, um, you know, I, I, back in the day when I was involved with the uh, M&A company out of the United States, which was a technology um, uh, uh, company, we, we sort of surrounded that talent waiting for an idea to bring it to the south uh, of the border. You know, there's a lot of Boston venture capital. There's a lot of uh, big venture mm-hmm. capital that's sitting around uh, waiting to take what we've developed here in Canada and pull it across uh, the line in um, in, in either mm-hmm. uh, a new business or integrating into a business they already have. And so we have to kind of say to ourselves, hmm, how does that happen? Uh, it doesn't always happen, but it, so it's almost like sending our raw product to be refined somewhere else. But that's that we won't, we won't go down that storyline uh, as well. <laughs> that sounds that feels that feels a bit very Canadian of us, unfortunately, yeah. and, not, and not a positive it's, way. Is our is our is our history is our 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 numbers of being a smaller uh, yep. Con- yep. country? Some of it is the way that our banking system works, and and uh, right down to who we are. Uh, as being Canadians versus uh, Americans, but yeah, back to our our, our the, those those the, the belief of the DNA of our belief structures, right? Yeah, but you know, Tyler, I work with lots of companies in in Calgary all the way to the West Coast. Um, I, you and I were chatting before you asked me how many. I, I work with about forty to forty five different business uh, leaders uh, or companies, um, in and I talk with them on a on a monthly basis and one-to-one uh, sort of uh, coaching or strategy calls. And, and there is a lot of great businesses in Calgary. Um, lots of them have been born because of uh, a robust oil and gas community who, mm-hmm. you know, who the ripples have built other types of uh, industries and abilities, but um, some really great innovative companies in, in, in food companies, in engineering tech companies, um, uh, in in manufacturing, some long history of manufacturing, um, construction in Calgary, um, that I think don't get celebrated enough. You know, we've, we, we just want to talk a lot about the small incubator, but how can that incubator help the construction company? How can AI come into the construction company, make them much more worldly competitive in what they want to do? How can we maybe farm that out of uh, beyond our borders? Uh, same with food. Uh, same with agritech. Agritech is a huge, you know, that's a huge conversation these days, agritech. Um, man, we've been in agriculture for a long time. We've got some really interesting, interesting innovation that's come out of uh, out of. Alberta, how do we capitalize on that? How do we take some of this tech uh, um, education that we're doing, how, uh, some of the incubation we're doing, how do we let some of these uh, companies that can't afford it because their margins are so so tight, access it and build it up from already a, an established business? Um, so part of your, that it's very excited to throw money behind a white piece of paper and all that's possible versus putting programs in place that say, Hey, let's take a business or an industry that's proven established, but then let's now start layering in some of these innovations around again, technology is not a sector. It's almost an, it's an underpinning of everything now, but how do we take that business that has a hundred years of innovative history? Ag is a great one. I had a recent guest on mutual friend Mm -hmm. of ours was Wilson Acton. And he says, who's more innovative than farmers. They've been innovating since the beginning of time (laughs) to survive. 
survive and thrive and deal with weather and all the things. I grew up in a farming community. Everything's out to get you when you're a farmer. So you get really resourceful really quickly. You start giving them the tools to say, well, here's the technology you might not understand, but you understand your sector. Let's come together. That's a pretty exciting group that you would expect nothing else but forward change at a, but you're right, it's a tough business and it can be really tough from a, from a there's just not enough money floating around to do those things. Well, let me give you uh, an example. Um, uh, I uh, chair a company uh, that I said, it's a Canadian company, but we sit in the US um, and that probably could be a whole conversation all to itself. Why do we- <laughs> I was going to say, we're going to put a pin in that one. We're going to put that in the parking lot for later. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. Uh, and- um, <laughs> Uh, we're in the autonomous uh, space uh, in in farm equipment. So we we are um, uh, lots of technology around uh, the control unit. So how do we get uh, these things to move? And um, you know, you think about getting things to move. Just think about it. Think about that technology and where that technology could go. How could that work into a construction? Uh, industry where labor is becoming a hard uh, uh, commodity for them to compete for. Uh, you know, the change in some of the the wage rates, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's making it more and more uh, uh, competitive. And so how do we take even something that's over in the autonomous uh, space for autonomous uh, driving of farm equipment into uh, that same sort of technology that can be used to move a scraper uh, that could be used for a backhoe. Um, and uh, I hear you, uh, nobody, I think, uh, people often say to me, I spent a lot of years in, in the uh, agricultural space, and people often say to me, uh, make these statements about farmers or ranchers. And I say, I, I actually think farmers and ranchers are some of the most earliest adopters to technology that you'll find. I mean, people don't understand when they walk into, first of all, sit in a combine and, and you're like, holy moly nowadays, um, or go in, go in a farmer or rancher's uh, shop or their garage, and you'll probably see more than one uh, computer screen sitting there. So there's lots of technology in there that actually can even get pulled out and used in, in other industries. The food industry is a huge and hard industry to make money at low, low margins, capital intense, hard to get um, uh, the scale that you need. Here's where Alberta does not compete well. Our labor rates are way higher than um, uh, our, our counterparts in, in the States. Um, and um, it is really hard to make business uh, money in that business. Um, and so why aren't we trying to incubate that into how can we bring those those industries together? How can we have a bit more uh, conversation about lifting up some of our uh, companies and industries that are doing well but could do much, much better? And so, so aside from everything we've talked about so mm -hmm. far, why aren't we? Is it just because it's not sexy enough? I know that really sounds like a cop-out thing to even say. Or is it just that you, 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 you easily overlook the thing that's just been sitting in front of you all this time? Like what, what is the, if you were going to move one thing out again, back to the business magic, the, the strategist wand that you have where you work your magic, if you're going to boom, we're going to move that out of the way and that would allow that to go forward. Is it regulatory? Is it, is it something that has to come down provincially? Is it municipally? Is it just people's beliefs? 
You know, it's, I would say to you, it, it sounds to me the same as when I come in. A lot of times when I come in to work with companies, they, it, I very seldom, in fact, I couldn't name a company that I walked into and they've said to me, if they've been around for a while, we've never tried strategic planning. I mean, every company I walk into has said, you know, we've do, we do this every year, we try to do this, or we've read this book, or I've got nine podcasts, or I've you know, or we've got this framework we're using and, and darn it, it still just is not working. Um, and I think it's the same thing uh, in, in where we are here is that um, strategic planning is not, it's just not one event. It's actually strategy is two events. There's planning, there's the why, and then there's the execution. And if you look at a lot of places where people fail, they either get to execution way too fast. You know, we start trying to do something, execute on something that we don't really know a lot about. That gets us in trouble. Or we sit and we plan a lot about what it could be. And then we forget to do the execution part. And so and then, then the, the, the binder gets dusty on the old binder gets dusty on the shelf. Yeah. Um, uh, we, we used to, we used to call it for those, for those of us who had binders on our shelves at one time. Yeah. That, ju- that just dated you, but, uh, uh, and we used to call it this, this, this great. Oh yeah, that's right. This gray hair doesn't date me at yeah, all, but Hey, yeah. Oh, it's a podcast. Never mind. Yeah. Never mind. Um, spot stood for strategic plan on top shelf. That, that was spots. Everybody <laughs> went in and had spots. And I think companies are reading. (laughs) I've never heard that one. Yeah, I think companies are reading more and more, you know, getting these concepts from podcasts. But really, the the hard part is, okay, what's or why? You know, bring up Covey. Let's start with the end in mind. Um, Let's have a plan. But then what are we going to execute on? And then how are we going to measure that execution? What are we going to look at? What's going to tell us that we're on the right spot? Uh, where are we going to see the bottlenecks that we're going to have to go? Oh, that's not working quite as well as we want. Um, you know, I, I, um, OSIF, which I think was a great initiative in 2018 uh, from the city. Uh, I think what was it, a hundred million dollars or something yep. on that? Yeah, the Opportunity Calgary Investment Fund. If anybody doesn't know offhand what that acronym was, I went and had to look it up originally when I heard it a couple times because I kept forgetting what it stood for. Uh, I. I would say to you, I think it's a great plan. I think it was a great strategy to try to um, uh, push forward um, innovation. I I know from just the companies that I work with that have had some funding mm-hmm. under there that, you know, there's been some challenges in the access to the funds and the, the getting the funds and, and getting the funds in a, a reasonable period of time. And, um, I don't think there's any value in looking for blame behind that. I think it's just a great uh, possible um, thing to look at and say, if the plan was good, why is the execution not maybe working quite as much as we want it to do? Um, and, mm-hmm. and again, I, I'm not behind the scenes on that. And, and it would be dangerous for me to say that I know exactly what went wrong. But uh, I think if you look at different places, go all the way back to the 80s with Made in Alberta, Go back to the '90s with ethanol, bio, you know, biofuel. A, a lot of these initiatives mm-hmm. that we've done. I think what you're going to find is it wasn't that the, the planning wasn't horrible, that the dream was bad, that the ideas weren't good. I think what you're going to look back at and analyze is um, the execution 
just was not understood. There was no measure to, uh, on the execution. Mm-hmm. So what does that, because in my experience and even my own uh, you know, pitfalls. The, those are two different skills. Like there's the planning and like, like you talked about, you you rhymed off a, a handful of groups that are living on the front end of your strategy and your visioning and the bigger, this is what we can do. And this is what possibility, this is what's possible and gets everyone excited. Is this just a whole contingent on that second phase, uh, the little more of the roll up the sleeves crowd to get the work done? Like, is that where we're missing not only maybe incentives or, or financial uh, mechanisms to to help facilitate that and carry people through and we also do we have a gap of groups and like support like i'm a company and i'm like okay here i am i've now consciously understood i'm at this next phase who do i go to help me here i've had other guests bring up that that's where the province that's where some of our programs like they literally fall off and almost disappear so what what would you again could is that building up a new group of people or a group of organizations that are living after the strategy if you will just to make it very linear i I, I think, first of all, I, I've gone back and, and I'd love to, if any of your guests or I, I'd love to understand how much work we really have done on figuring out where the execution has failed in the past on this diversification okay. strategy. I mean, I think that would be uh, a really, you know, go back and figure out that's what I would do if I was working with a company. First of all, let's just let's understand uh, what was working and what wasn't working. And that kind of goes back to those core uh, competencies a bit. But um, when you really look at execution and what's failing it, sometimes it's, darn it, it's not quite as, as exciting as we thought the plan was going to be. Let, and I can give you an example of this. When I was running um, uh, agri-food manufacturing company, we had a manufacturing company in the southern uh, part of uh, the province. And um, it was... Um, it was in dire need to get on. This was back in the days where, you know, not everybody had an internet connection. And so we, we could not modernize ourselves and bring ourselves up to some of the uh, sophistication of the equipment that we wanted to put on the, on the factory floor, because we simply could not access, we could not get an internet connection. And, (laughs) and I know, I know, I know now there's, and in people who are, if they're young listening to this, will probably go, I cannot believe that. But but and, and that still even exists. How how old are these two anyway? <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. And that was, they better not be saying that. that That's bullshit. <laughs> no, that was the time where Alberta was talking about the superhighway. Do you remember the whole superhighway and we were going to connect all of Alberta and? I completely uh, for, no. I yes, no. I do, but I forgot about that completely. Oh well, it, I'm showing my age now. And um, and yeah, <laughs> so there was a great plan, right? That that we knew we needed to have connectivity. We knew in order to advance into this. New New sort of realm that that we that be having access to the internet was uh, was important, and I would say to you, I went everywhere to every agency I could to try to figure out how I could get the internet to this quite large factory sitting in the prairies of um, southern mm-hmm. Alberta, and I could I just could not get it done, and we had to deploy our own innovation, trying to figure out, uh, you know, point to point positions and satellites and all the mm-hmm. fun thing in order to try to get um, ourselves to literally be able to process payroll in Calgary for a factory because we couldn't find the talent down there. And that isn't, who wants to talk about that? That isn't, you know, no, we're talking about super highways. We're talking about innovating AI. We're talking about, and, you know, here I'm setting, uh, waving my hand uh, as a, a business owner, uh, 
saying I need to get an internet connection. And, and that's an old example, but I'm, I'm sure. No, but there, there's, I'm sure there's current versions, there's current versions of it. And it's so easy to almost minimize, like not like, oh, you're, you're thinking too small. We need to think bigger blue sky. We need to really blow up the big ideas. Well, yeah. But I, I, my internet connection is not reliable. No, no, no. We don't want to talk. We don't want to talk about that. It's you're, you're thinking too small. Like, yeah, but the, those think those, those elements become your make or breaks as a business really quick. And you're right. Biggest strategy in the world that you couldn't execute on because you didn't have an internet connection. It's a great, it's a great metaphor for like insert whatever your internet connection gap is now. Yeah, I, yeah. Pretty soon, I'm going to bring start bringing up eight track tapes. But it, I, I, I. Well, let's let's move it forward. Let's move. Let's we move need it to forward. come so, to a, a so more up to date um, analogy. But uh, you know, uh, the egg industry. It's been saying for years and years. Uh, I think now they're saying in Canada about 125,000 jobs short in that industry. Uh, of, of labor shortage. Labor shortage. Yeah. So you know, it's 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 just calling for help on innovation uh, to a large degree, right? Um, but execution is is why it's so hard is sitting back and saying, not looking for blame, but looking for bottlenecks. You know, mm-hmm. why why won't this work as smooth as we think it should work? The the plan said it should. Where's the bottleneck? Why are, why do we have, I think, yeah, isn't it Calgary has one of the, isn't it the second uh, uh, highest concentration of small businesses in, I think, the country? So uh, there's so many, there's some stats like that. I need to go and like research what some of those are. We have the highest like concentration of head offices. We have the highest, we have the most amount of millionaires per capita. These are all things like that almost feel like urban legends that I've been hearing since I moved here yeah, 20 years so ago. What's the, so my question is, what's the bottleneck behind there then? So, so, so therefore, what, if that's all true, then what's the problem? What's, what's the problem? And I like what you said, bottlenecks versus blame. Blame is easy and we're so, it's so polarizing. And uh, I was talking to somebody yesterday about, you know, conflict resolution and like bringing group dynamics together. And it's like, focus, like when the problem becomes the other person, you're stalled, like it's done <laughs> until, Hey, no, we're actually, the problem is the enemy. We're going to work together, even if we have different points of view. And that's where the blame versus bottleneck conversation to me kind of resonates. Well, and, and blame, blame is easy and blame is easy and a bit lazy. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say the same thing. You know, when we start looking for blame, we're, all we're doing is, is, is sitting in yesterday when we start saying what did what do we know and and where is the bottleneck in it then we can uh we can say and what's the major bottleneck and and if we open that what happens because again we know uh again you know studying sort of uh the rise of a company if we fix one bottleneck that's that's you know, four bottlenecks away, it's not going to help because the pipe's still too small back here, you know, at the beginning. Yeah. And, and so we need to really know if this, then what, you know, um, uh, I'm a huge fan of Michael, uh, of, of Colin, sorry, work and, and his whole flywheel concept, you know, if we can do this and that works, then what can we do? And if we can do that, then what can we do? And, you know, Jim Collins talks about it a lot. I think that we could use that even when we're looking at uh, building up a, uh, an economic uh, map uh, of Calgary or Alberta. How is one leading to the other? Not how is this spot going to work on this and this spot's going to work on this and this spot's going to work on this. And going back to my example of when I was in Germany and I was also in um uh, the Netherlands, and I would say both those economies. I was just 
fascinated by how much they use that concept. If we have engineers out of our engineer school, and if we could go and uh, develop part of that skill set into this, how could we then move into, you know, which now has become a bad idea, but into Greece to export our technology into an economy. Like they were very much um, accumulative about the way that they thought about their ecosystem. And I, I felt when we came back here, we were very much like, we have tourism, let's work on that. We have AI, let's work on that. We have agriculture, let's work on that. We have uh, a education system, let's work on that. Um, but we, we don't- That feels like a big shift in our beliefs. Like I, I love it, I get, I, I love the, the, it's more of a flow now versus a bunch of points on it. Like, no, how does this all work and how does one build into the other? Flywheel concept or that, this crawl, walk, run, however you want to break it down. Is that, obviously it's a belief structure and it's a, it's a change in terms of all we think, but is there one group or is there an organization? Like in those in those environments, was that led by government? Is that who kind of put that in place? Because you've got the education, you've got the business community, you've got all of these. Was the government the overarching or the underpinning to lift all that up and string it together? Like is there, I always feel there's got to be somebody with that vision somewhere to, to start doing that. And whose role would that be? And we'll speak broad, we'll speak Alberta from your perspective. Yeah, I, I you know, I think a lot of it is, uh, I think a lot of it is driven by government. I think very little should be done by government. Ah, okay. Um, All right. I, I, I like where you're headed. I'm with you so I, far. I, you know, I, I think the worst thing that government can do is get in front of entrepreneurs and, and think they can do it better because they can't. Um, I think where a government's role should be is in the planning. Do we like the <laughs> back? Let's stick with our framework here. Uh, let's let's be disciplined. You know, do we like the framework? Do we have the voice of of the uh, entrepreneur, the business person, the industries? How can we make it easier? How can we make you know? How can we how can we prop up our education system? Is it supportive of where we want to go? How do we feed young people into an industry? Um, are our universities, that's a bigger one, maybe even beyond sort of the Alberta border, but, um, you know, are our universities, are our technical schools, how can we get that talent moving into industry? How does industry, are, how are they able to uh, uh, use them as part of their, um, their formula? I think when, <laughs> where we get into problems is when government thinks that they can do it uh, better. I think it's, we get in problems when um, government uh, puts in restrictions that inhibits me from saying, I want to be in Calgary, I may as well move uh, to Regina or to Vancouver or because it's easier to do business there. Removing well back to just the removing friction, right? Now I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go where it's easier, just basic human nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh, I would have to say even from a money perspective, you know, hmm. I if I'm um, if I'm coming in from a private equity perspective, um, and back f- from those private equity days that I had, what what I want to know is when I when I'm in there and I'm investing my money that failure is going to be 99% me. I don't want to come in and invest money and think there's a 10% chance 
that failure is going to be on an, because of an outside for, force or even a 5% chance. And mm, the okay. moment that I think politically, is it unstable? Um, uh, is, is there bottlenecks, access to labor, uh, cost of labor, um, you know, things that I think may change dramatically in me trying to execute my plan, I'll find that I'll find another region to take that money. And again, money has become um, global. You know, we don't just say we're only going to invest in our little communities anymore. Money goes all over the place in this world now. Um, VCs are all over. I mean, it's a global world. And so I'm, you know, I'm sitting back with my pot of cash and I'm saying, just how easy is it for me to uh, give money to an industry and them to succeed uh, or fail based on how well they can execute? I do not want to be nervous about uh, politically what might um, happen. And that's why Alberta's had such an Alberta advantage for so many years, right? Um, I think it's changed a little bit uh, in the last little bit, but um, uh, that's why industry came here. We were, we were, we were open for business. Are we not now? You know, I, I kind of go back to, and, and I kind of feel like I can say it because I have not spent a large part, if I mean, a very, very small part of my career in the oil and gas industry. But I say from a person who spent many, many years in Calgary working, uh, running a company, um, uh, and and also working in the community and working with businesses in the community, I can say the first thing we've got to do is is quit, quit thinking we've got to keep apologizing for the oil and gas industry, and and take pride in what we've built. Uh, there's uh, Alberta has built a f- fabulous um, industry that's world class um, that would go up against any uh, company regime in the world that were innovative. And that it has spurred innovation and the ability to have the, the class of um, universities we have, technical schools that we have, private entrepreneurship that's in the community that has driven people to be able to make an agri-food business, that's been able to make people uh, be bigger in a construction world. Um, and I think we've got to stop apologizing for it because we're building a next generation that does not feel like they have that they want to have the pride of being an Albertan and uh, you know, all the way back to being frontier men, we were, we, I, I would, I would offer up the one thing that Albertans don't do is study our history enough. And um, you know, we were, we were the land uh, between Ottawa and uh, British Columbia. And we fought from, from the days of uh, the Hudson Bay Company and us roaming around the world, uh, roaming around the province, of uh, being entrepreneurs and protecting what we wanted to do and how we wanted to do it, um, and and it's in our ancestry. Um, it, we have a we have a fantastic ancestry as Albertans, and we don't celebrate it. I, I want I, I, if if I did anything. Uh, that was just for um, a social benefit, I would love 
for us to change our curriculum slightly in Alberta schools to teach about our uh, Alberta heritage. Um, I think that there's so much that we can learn and be uh, have a lot of pride about. I think we can talk lots more in our schools about entrepreneurship, uh, about liberal education, which we don't, we've got away from, um, I, uh, of, of investing in coaching our young people. We don't spend enough money. Uh, you know, I'm a huge person about peer-to-peer learning. I think it is the, mm-hmm. there's my plug for Tech Canada and a peer-to-peer uh, environment. I, I just, I really do think it's the secret sauce. I, I think I think the ability for young people to come together and understand themselves emotionally, you know, how things work and my behaviors and what makes me successful and what doesn't make me successful. I think in businesses, if we can give more money towards helping businesses learn from each other, we would go a long way. But uh, I mean, I'm sure it's a long diatribe, Tyler, on, on really, I think if we want to start anywhere, let's stop, stop trying to be something other than who we are, which should be proud Albertans, proud Calgarians. We have a huge history of entrepreneurship and we should be leveraging that and succeeding off that. Not trying to say, despite that, we're going to be now this. And, and you've provided multiple examples of where like that hasn't worked in the past. And yet we still have like, we're still us underneath, but yet not celebrating that and being, being an import to Alberta over the last 20 years and falling in love with what I saw here. But honestly, even listening to you talk today, uh, it, it wells me with pride a little more to think about I'm like, oh, okay, now I understand what it was that I was attracted to about when I came here the first time, not really understanding the roots or getting a full appreciation for what got Alberta to be that open entrepreneurial opportunity centric province. I grew up in Eastern Canada. I grew up in Quebec. Great, great province. Very different vibe when you come here from a business and just like the doors were open. If you could provide value, there was immediately opportunity, which stems back to that hardworking resourcefulness that is our, is our DNA. And that's interesting. And it's definitely, I don't feel showcased enough or even spoke about like I've done 60 some episodes and you're the first person who's brought it up to the level that anyone has. So thank you. Yeah, well, you're, you're welcome. Hopefully it, 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 it inspires people to go back, pick up, uh, pick up a history book, read a little bit about Alberta and, and let's mm-hmm. start investing in, and let's, let's start investing in um, the manufacturer who has been making widgets for 35 years and needs that lift up to say, I think if I was to innovate this, or if I could get in a group of other peers to peer who I could, I could understand what this AI means or, you know, machine learning, because I, I don't know what it means. Listen, all it means from those of us who have been kicking around the technology industry for as long as we have, it's just a whole bunch of algorithms. Um, it's it, it, people can can harness them. That's not the problem. It's the how do I do that? Hmm. Where can I get the access then to maybe change out part of my equipment in order to be able to um, lift myself up? Uh, we need to also come in and help some of those established businesses that I think you, you you've already alluded to. I think at, at times are feeling like unless I, I walk into a door saying AI or 
or machine learning or crypt, fintech or cryptocurrency, then, you know, people turn their back and walk back out of the room. And, and I think we're, we're also missing a big opportunity to, to get those companies uh, to world-class standing. Well, it's so important. I've had a few guests on. I had uh, Corey Jensen on from AltML, and he talked about like this window of opportunity around you know AI and machine learning. But he's like, don't forget, it's not its own thing. It's an underpinning of existing business. It's an underpinning of how we improve and optimize on the things we're already doing. And I think sometimes that gets certainly forgotten about. And you know, I had Mary Moran on. She says, hey, let's be clear, tech isn't a sector. It's a thing that is going to underpin and elevate everything else that we do. Which kind of comes back to the thirty-year manufacturer, who's kind of the blood, sweat, and of our province, how do we augment them to be competitive on a world stage or to, you know, get that internet connection that they couldn't get in rural yeah. Alberta? That's an interesting story. And I know that's very real because you're not really worried about your, your, your business, hier- your, your Maslow's hierarchy of business there. If you don't have internet connection, you're not really worrying about self-actualization at the top of the pyramid. Yeah. You're just trying to get the, the, the thing to work. Well, and, and, you know, I, uh, studied the, the, the growing up of the tech, uh, industry, uh, we're now what many uh, people in the tech industry would say, we're in the third wave uh, of, of the tech uh, industry where what really technology companies excel at is figuring out what doesn't work over here. What's the, what's the pain point there? Why, doesn't that, why, why isn't that serving the customer as much as it possibly could? And, there, and really the root of a lot of technology is, is solving a pain point. Um, Mm -hmm. The very first wave of technology was about, you know, Ooh, look at this neat thing I created. I could put it on a shelf and will you consumer come and buy that neat thing? So it was sort of driving my innovation to the customer, right? Um, Third wave innovation in the technology space is all about, Where's the pain point and how can technology come in and, 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 and solve that versus maybe a more traditional way of doing it? And certainly, you know, we hear that with Airbnb and the Ubers and, you know, the big guys that, that we sit and look at and study. But we've got to keep that goes back again to the part of the execution. Where's the, where, what do we have to solve? Where's the big pain points? Where's the bottleneck? And invite technology to come in and help solve that. Don't just think, let's give money so technology can think something new. That's a second wave technology thinking. We're we're beyond that. We're third wave technology. Companies, technology companies that are thinking that way are, are not making money anymore in the Valley. And that's also why you see technology companies, uh, our technology company left the Valley. We came into uh, 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 Phoenix Arizona. And so why did we leave? Because technology doesn't need to be all together thinking about what we can create. We're going where we think the problems are. We're setting ourselves near the problem. And now we're solving that problem. That's third wave technology thinking. And I think sometimes when I even listen to what Calgary is doing and where they're at, from my experience of being almost 20 years in the technology industry off and on, um, it sounds like second wave technology thinking. It's like, what can we create? What can we think about? What can we incubate up from? Um, sure, there's always, you know, that innovation. That's, that's there's really always the, the the very raw. We've just uh, we've just found an absolute new widget. 
But you, uh, uh, you look at a lot of great successful technology companies and why they're spreading themselves out throughout the world in different regions is they're, they're sniffing out problems and they're going, why do I need to sit in the valley? Go to the, where the problem is, study that problem, and then fix it with technology. Is that and is that just where we are in the cycle? Like, are we just moving to that next? Because when I do talk to some companies, you know, VizWorks, AltML, <clears throat> they're in that second phase of figuring out what they can do, but with companies, with partners, some of the larger enterprise organizations to figure out what it is they can solve and what problems can be actualized by certain technologies, so then they can move into that next phase. Is it? Are we stuck there, or is that just happen to be where we are right now? To give a little bit of a perspective of it is a journey? Well, I think it's a great example of planning versus execution. So now, yeah, right? There's, a theme, there's definitely a theme pulling through our I'm episode. I'm very good record about it, but there's a great example. Of, of, <laughs> it's almost like you believe it's uh, true. Yeah. Of, uh, some great companies, right? Like those are great companies to listen to. And, I've, uh, and um, they're looking for where the problem is. How am I going to be able to solve it? Where am I going to go? So they're out executing on uh, a concept. Where you don't want to mess the two is what we're doing as, as far as supporting it economically, politically. We, we, want to be, we want to be in the planning phase. Okay, we understand how can we help that. We don't want to just keep thinking, if I just keep money to uh, keep giving money to people planning things, thinking about things, then that's going to be good enough. That's going to establish uh, uh, this great sort of um, ecosystem in uh, in Alberta. We tried it. I was there in the 90s. That's exactly what the Alberta government tried to do. Um, we tried to say, if we just gave this planning uh, uh, money, these concepts, let them do concepts, well, I'll tell you what happened. This is what happened for all of us who had these great ideas and we were given money to sort of seed our thought uh, the government didn't sit back and say, what's going to be the big bottleneck that's going to happen and that we've got to be uh, already uh, preparing for and make sure how we're going to yep. execute it. And this is what we didn't plan for. Oops, the oil and gas industry started to rise again. And all of us who had some ideas that we were trying to do lost talent to the oil and gas because we couldn't compete dollar for dollar. And so, boom, down goes the technology movement. And whenever oil rises, technology falls in the city. When oil goes down, technology starts to get talked about again. So we know that's a bottleneck. We know that one of the things that's going to make me uh, nervous as a business owner is employing a guy from the oil and gas sector because the moment, the moment the oil and gas sector looks like it's going to even do a bit of recoverment, I'm worried that the 10 great engineers I just hired are all gone off back to an oil and gas industry. We know that's a bottleneck. What are we doing to make sure that we're going to get ahead of that. I have not, and certainly that's not a conversation I've stumbled into. And, and I know some people would say, I hope that's a problem we run into, but you know, I talked to a few uh, CEOs of, you know, oil and gas companies recently and in 12 months or so, that's certainly what they're hoping slash predicting is, is exactly going to happen as the world kind of rebounds. And it, it's, it's, that's debatable. Let's not get into the crystal ball of what's going to happen there, but that could, that scenario could easily happen in the next year, 12 to 18 months. And who you know, kind of what would st what would change the factors that would kind of result in the same outcome as last time? Nothing right now, from what anything I've heard. Interesting. Well, and I can, I mean, I can tell you right now, Tyler, mm. that the com some companies that I work with, they're very, very nervous about hiring anybody 
who uh, who came from an oil and gas yep. sector uh, because they've been burned once, twice, three times before. And, and so what does that do about their ability to move forward, innovate and take that talent and make them as happy and satisfied? Now that's, that's worth talking about. I think that's mm-hmm. not called reskilling people. You can reskill people, but the moment that they think they're going to get uh, 35 bucks an hour versus 25 bucks an hour that they might get somewhere else. I mean, I don't blame them. They're, they're, they're going to go across the street. So let's talk about that problem. Hmm. Uh, and that's why we couldn't do it in the nineties. That, that's why a lot. Now, some of it was also some of the technology was just was flawed, but, but it, it really was a large basis of why we just couldn't get any attention. The moment the oil and gas price started to come up, uh, all of a sudden, many of us that were in the technology space were were forgotten. You know, it was, you couldn't yeah. find, in my plant, you couldn't find a boiler man if your life depended on it. Because um, they were Because yeah. he went back to oil and gas. Back. So, um, I don't know, I'm sure there's, there's even more relevant, bigger uh, bottlenecks that if you got the communities together to talk about peer to peer on the mm-hmm. execution of it, you would hear a lot of bottlenecks that go, that's interesting. Huh, what are we going to do about that? And then invite uh, technology to try to help you solve that problem. And now you've got an, now you've got an ecosystem that wants to start to work together. How are you going to pull that into your education system? How are you going to uh, make sure that you're even maybe educating people particularly in a technical setting to come out and continuously fix that problem. As we know, we're trying to mature that bottleneck to be eventually gone. How are we going to fix those problems? And that goes back again, I know um, to the whole amount of execution. Why don't we want to do that? Because I think sometimes that doesn't sound quite as newsworthy and, you know, back to my, you said it simply, it's, it's hard. And it's, and it's hard. And I would say to you, to any company that says, how come we cannot, how come we're always taking two steps forward and one step back or, or one step forward and two steps back. Um, I haven't been in a company yet that I've worked with that I've thought, oh, it's because you've got perfect execution and perfect planning. Lots of times it's because <laughs> you've got perfect planning and bad execution. Lots of times it is you're executing on what you don't know. And, um, both things uh, are going to stall you. I, I really love, and you know, I do, how you pulled back your quote from the beginning, executing on what we don't know, which I wrote down to bring back around, but you did it for me. <laughs> that, was a, that was a very nice kind of, you tied that up with a little bow, a little bow in the end. Laurie, they gave me a lot to think about. My brain is spinning and I've had a lot of guests on the show and they all make me think. And you, as always, part of why you're, uh, I, you and I, I enjoy, or I certainly enjoy spending time with you. I'll say one-sided anyways. Uh, you always challenge me and give me a different paradigm in which to think about things, which is the whole point of the show is to collide people with concepts or ideas or ways of approaching the problem that they maybe haven't looked at before. And whether they're popular opinions or not that the whole point is that it's different than what you've heard. And you've done a really fantastic job of that today. So I'm going to close because, you know, I did, sh- I did challenge you by accident that most of these run an hour. We're pushing an hour and 15. Yeah, I know, I told you. <laughs> well, yeah, you, 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 you took the challenge and you ran with it. <laughs> 
last question. You're, I know, I know you're a numbers lady. You like to, you like to see things and be able to measure them. And like, how do we, how do we prove it? How do we know if you were going to throw together your Calgary dashboard of like, Hey, you know what? I think we're moving in the right direction because we're doing this, this, and this, and I can see it and I can measure it. Is there a few things that pop out for you that we, you would put on your, on your, on our Calgary executive dashboard? Yep, I would I would uh, definitely look at the migration of uh, young uh, uh, people. Um, I I would uh, I'd want to watch that. I'd really like to see how many uh, uh, issues have been solved. So what 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 big you know pain points have uh, have we been able to or bottlenecks have we been able to. Uh, successfully solve to not only get them out of the way, but make us uh, competitive. I would also like to mm-hmm. see um, how well are we supporting um, uh, programs that are coming out of our technical schools into uh, industry. Mm-hmm. That would be, you know, how many new programs are being developed that are particularly working towards uh, industry. And, um, and then the last one would be uh, how many things are we doing to celebrate our Alberta heritage and to create forums? And, 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 and that's why I think what you're doing, Tyler, is, is so fantastic, is to get the voices you, of not just the four or five voices we often hear in the community, but the vast amount of voices that are in the community. There's brilliant people around. You've had many of them on your podcast and you're doing such a great job about it. But how many of those touch points are we having where they're having peer-to-peer conversations that they're able to spin off of each other and work together? Because let me tell you, industry will work with industry if they see an opportunity uh, uh, to you know, to advance where they're going, we got to bring them together. We got to let them start talking about how they can um, uh, change uh, what they're doing and how they can work with each other in order to get there. That is an excellent dashboard and some new. I really like the the celebrate the Alberta heritage piece. That's that's out of everything you said around execution. I'll be honest, you you have preached that to me before, so I appreciate the <laughs> reminder. But the celebrating their Alberta heritage and you know who we are, where we came from, and how we actually capitalize on that, and a sense of pride goes a long way when you talk about cultures and bringing people together and the the core mm-hmm. purpose. I think we can draw a lot on our past to identify our future around that. I'm excited about that. I'm gonna do. Please feel free to share any any specifics. You're like, hey, you know what? Read this. It'll get you excited, or it'll give you a perspective you maybe didn't have. So please, I'm always open. Share stuff over, and we'll even share it out with our with our audience. But. Lori, that was uh, enjoyable as always. So thank you so much. Hey, last question. Someone's really interested. They're like, how do I get more of L'Oreal in my life? Which I'm sure there's a lot of people thinking that right now. What's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, probably there's two ways. Uh, of course, you can go through Tech Canada. I, I do work uh, with them uh, on the peer-to-peer advisory groups. Uh, so I'm findable through there. And then uh, uh, also our company webpage, Growing Ideas, uh, uh, .ca. So if you want to learn a little bit more or contact me through there, um, either way, you you can find me. Pertin, shameless plug. Call Lori. She's awesome. You want to be you want to be pushed and tested. You you found you found you and and learn and and always walk away going hmm I didn't know that before I never walk away from a conversation with you not going huh I think I need to rethink things <laughs> and that is a huge compliment so thank you Lori it was an absolute pleasure thank you.